I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 8 and preview of round 9. This episode is brought to you by Canada. We're too polite to let you score anything less than 5 goals. Oh, oh wait, no, no. Uh, actually, it's brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Conley, and tonight I'm joined by my regular co-host duo, Blaine Riffle and Michael Denton, and we'd also like to welcome our special guest fresh back from England, Phil Luchford. How's everyone tonight? Doing well. Doing great. Thanks for having me back, and congratulations on the wedding. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, congratulations to yourself. Am I right? You've just recently come back, and I know your trip just wrapped up a little bit ago, right? Yep, a couple of weeks ago. That's right. I uh, made it out to Huddersfield Town, to Manchester United, and to Fulham. That is quite an eclectic little group there. It was. But fun. For sure. Excellent. Excellent. This will be, uh, I guess, the reason everybody else should start doing these things, playing playing fantasy, primarily to try to win their own chance to travel across and, and get their own little little trip like that. But, uh, yeah, that sounds like an awesome, awesome trip. What have you guys been doing, Blaine? Uh, Mike, anything anything similar? Uh, I'm hoping to go to New York for the Hudson River Derby this summer, but um, ah. I, I got some plane tickets booked. I need to buy the actual tickets to the stadium, <laughs> to the actual game, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, that, uh, that might help. I saw that uh, Ariel Castillo said that the sun was out in, in New York today, and I asked her if it was red or blue, but they never responded, so... Um, I don't know because she doesn't want to admit that it's blue <laughs> part of her job, you know, cause they're supposed to be like not partisan, but I mean, she, she's, she's as blue as they come. She, she knows what, what the game is. She's got that V in a profile picture. She, she's <laughs> good times. Well, let's uh, start talking about round eight. I know uh, a few of you guys have some scores you want to talk about. Uh, Mike, how'd your team do? Mike, you with us? Sorry, I, ha I had the mute button still on and started going <laughs> without <laughs> unprecedented. Um, I, I did okay uh, on 104. Um, surprisingly, my big points was in the defense with Zussi Beesler and uh, Amelia. Um, the disappointments were in midfield. Uh, Kaku, uh, T. Martinez, um, very disappointing scores for me. Um, all my forwards scored, although not much. I was you know, expecting a lot more from Elise than the eight points he got. But... Um, could have been worse. At least it didn't go too hard in the Redbirds, rather than the Red Bulls. Excuse me, not the Redbirds, uh, than some other teams. So uh, yeah, 104. I think I pretty much stayed the same overall. I I can't quite tell because we don't have green arrows or red arrows anymore. So uh, we'll uh, see how that goes. Yeah. Phil, 104. Um, we're twinsies today, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. I used the auto route to perfection. I had four Sporting Kansas City players, all as substitutes, to see how they would do in the early game. And boy, were they awesome. Um, so I actually converted a starting player into a bye week player so I could get all four substitutes on. Um, you know, I had Diaz, and uh, I arrived to the stadium, checked the lineup, and he's not playing. So uh, took him out and uh, looking for a later player that I didn't have since I already had Ladero and Valeri as late players. I mm. put in Allison Drini. Uh, that was no good. Just dead. Yeah, yeah. Same with Zlatan. Uh, LASC failed me. I feel your pain with that, which I'll get to in a second. Blaine, what about you? Uh, I got a 127 this week. Show off. Yeah, really happy with that one. Round rank 49. Um, I... I went heavy on the SKC. I only had two on the bench, and I had Russell in the starting lineup. And I just took a flyer on Piotti the night before. Lineup's locked, oh. and that paid off. So I got both hat tricks this week. Um, holler at us on Twitter if you ended up getting both hat tricks, because I know not a lot of people went for both of those guys, given the matchups. 
Um, had a couple of fours and a few eights on the team, but everything else was double digits. I mean, I I hit it big all the way across, so I was really happy with this week. I used a couple of uh, used a transferu really well. I had Lovitz in there, but Beasley did so well. I decided to dump him. Thankfully, went to Machado from there on the bench, and he didn't score well, so I upped it to El Munir for another for an extra point there. So really helped myself with all the transfer shenanigans too. Uh, I low man on a totem pole this week. I only got 84 points. Uh, like you, Mike, my, my defense pretty much failed me except for Zussi and my midfield also didn't, didn't do much. Actually, it was mostly New York Red Bulls players that, that failed me this round, except for Bradley Wright Phillips. I think this is the third round that I've chosen Kaku and he's just, just been pitiful for me each round. So maybe me. Red Bulls will always fail you, Reed. (laughs) I was going to say, maybe me getting Kaku is like whenever you and I are picking Via as well. But uh, yeah, not not (laughs) Kaku too, so I can't complain. Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah, not much there. Uh, I did get the Malia clean sheet, so my my keeper worked out. But like you, Phil, I went with uh, Alessandrini and uh, Zlatan as my transferers. And so not uh, not, I actually transferred out my um, my non my bye week, my non playing defender for chad marshall because i was like anything's better than two points and he got five so that was that was a positive move for me uh i think i fell 130 ranks because of that too that's that's how kind of vicious it gets when you're around that hundred because i think i was 130 or something and now i'm i'm 252 so um it was it was a pretty vicious drop maybe 99 might have been it um but you know the the average was uh, 63.8 again i i don't really like these points when we're doing the the average score so we'll just call it 64 points so i, I think if you got triple digits this week you did pretty well uh, like like my fellow co-hosts today let's talk about some of these crazy games we teased it in our little preview uh, crushing canada isn't like it like it's the Stanley Cup. There we go, right there. Um, <laughs> crazy, crazy. Five, at least five goals scored against all the Canadian teams. Uh, Blaine, you had a massive six point there game game there with Sporting Kansas City. Though, let's put a big asterisk next to that one with that double red card in the 40th minute. So, okay, um, but the score was three zero when that happened. I yeah, mean, was it was it gonna be six zero without the two red cards? Not, I don't not know by expected it... goals. I mean, I, I think it was only until like the fifth goal that uh, Sporting Kansas City passed a Vancouver in expected goals because they had like that one great shot uh, that Melia made an amazing save on. You'll probably see it in the Save of the Week uh, games or yeah, yeah. Uh, contest. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sporting made a lot of their chances and, and they weren't great chances, but hey, put them in uh, against a team like Vancouver. That'll usually do, uh, do the trick. That's a lot of running. That's a lot of running. But anyway, great, great result. Great for the keeper ruse that were going on. If you were going with like a, a Malia sites plan or any Malia plus anybody plan right there. Uh, Toronto had the rotation that uh, that we thought. Uh, so so not a surprise with uh, with that score either. Uh, good job, Mike, for pointing that out to everyone last week. Um yeah, I just wish I had recommended Kyoto instead of uh, Elise. <laughs> I mean, I had Minotas as one of my auditory guys, so he kind of came through for me. But um, it, it was clear that they were double teaming Elise and just leaving Kyoto to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that is the one risk I think fantasy managers take with Houston. Uh, sorry to talk about this, Phil. And I know it's, it's a sore spot, Houston in general, but. Uh, uh, they had those three big forwards there, and so sometimes it's going to shift around into who's getting getting what coverage, especially depending on who's who's hot at that time. Uh, and then finally, LAFC gets the five goals against Montreal Impact with Piotti getting all three for them. Um, and I think, uh, what was that? That sat you threw at Mike. LA finishes on the road, a six-game road series, four wins, two losses. Yeah, which, I mean, is pretty good. I mean, they at least in terms of who they're going to be facing in the Western Conference, that includes trips to Seattle, uh, Galaxy, uh, RSL. So, you know, a lot of the tough games that they have on the road in the Western Conference, they're, they're done with. So, and now they're uh, we'll coming see if back they can put together a, road, a run. Yeah, now they're coming back home. Phil, this is a new team out there in the, in the West. Does that does that scare you seeing their road success now they're going to be back at home? Yeah, I think they're the real deal. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised by how well they've been doing this year. Yeah. Um, 
I was looking at, uh, I go to who scored for the MLS statistics, and uh, Carlos Vela is the number one ranked MLS player this season on their website, and Diego Rossi is number nine. So two attackers in the top 10, that's exciting football to watch. Yeah, that's... Um, now, they're overperforming expected goals a little bit. Um, yeah. I think that's because they're kind of a counterattacking team that plays really quickly. Um, and expected goals doesn't take into account defenders between the shot and the goal. So counterattacking teams can sometimes overperform. And they're also giving up a lot more goals than they're expected to currently. I think that might be like the expansion team jitters. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how that plays out the rest of the year. But I think they're going to be in a lot of high-scoring shootouts, which is great to watch. Very fun. <laughs> That's interesting to call it expansion team jitter since that defense is made up of a pretty veteran back line. Uh, um, let's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, we'll see. Let's move on. Uh, fire upset the Red Bulls. We already started talking about that. Uh, Blaine, <laughs> do you think we underestimated the fire or overestimated the Red Bulls in this one? Or is this just, is this just hashtag because MLS classically? A little bit of underestimating the fire, a little bit of hashtag MLS because MLS. On paper, the Chicago's got a solid team capable of challenging for a playoff spot, should be able to lock one down with the core they have there. And uh, New York's been playing some younger guys here and there, and they, they've they got a lot of rotation, so it may be a little bit of that too. But I don't want to write off the fire as one of those easy wins for any team in the Eastern Conference. I think they can give anybody in the conference a run for their money on a good game. They've just been putting up some bad games lately, and I expect them to turn it around and start competing a little more heavily. And if teams overlook them as one of the weaker conference opponents, this is going to happen to them. And I think some of the fluke does come into this. I mean, you look at the the stats from this. The Fire had four goal or four shots, uh, three of those on target. The Red Bulls had twenty two shots, eleven of those on target. So uh, this was not from lack of trying. It, it seems like that's the theme to a lot of the teams this early in the season is lots of goals and little conversions. So that's uh, frustrating unless you're going for bonus points from from shots, I guess. <laughs> Uh, moving on, crew draw to the revolution. Um, this this is uh, maybe more serious for crew than I think we talked about. We've been m- mentioning a little bit earlier. We've I think all of us have said that we think they still have something left in them fantasy wise, but uh, maybe this defense that they have may may not be really working. Higuain got got back onto some of the score sheets since uh, two or three games. I believe so. Maybe that's something he can carry into DC, but um, kind of uh, backing off a little bit for me, fantasy wise, for the crew until I see some more from them. Uh, one team that's I'm not backing off on, Orlando gets their big win over San Jose, three to two. Mueller impresses. Uh, Maram is is just doing Maram things. Uh, he's hot and cold. He's been hot and cold ever since he's been at the crew. Um, and San Jose are struggling mightily to get things just put away. They're still all over the place for me, fantasy-wise. I'm not big on San Jose. But Orlando, a lot of great guys. And uh, I think we'll talk more about Mueller later on with, with his potential. Uh, it's, it's growing as a fantasy. So that's a player to keep an eye on. Orlando in general. But just keep in mind, they are giving up goals in exchange for all those goals that they're scoring. Um. I got a note here about Dallas, but but Phil, they're unbeaten, and I'm just going to let you mention any fantasy takeaways you want to have from Dallas from this game. I've, I've been really low on uh, Lama since last year. Um, it seems like last year all he did was kind of stand around the six-yard box and tap in a finish every once in a while. And when he wasn't scoring, he wasn't generating any bonus points. Um, but something's really changed within this year, and I was noticing the quality of his crosses into the box. Um, he's actually averaging 2.6 key passes per game, uh, which is pretty good. And uh, he's contributed several very good assists um, to Ja'Cory Hayes two weeks ago and then to a Rudy this past weekend. Um, so uh, I was asked, who should I recommend for FC Dallas for fantasy-wise? Uh, and before this last match, I thought Diaz was a lock to start at home. I thought he was just being rested at New England because of the plastic pitch and that he would be back in the starting lineup at home. And that was not the case. And it seems like Lama is the beneficiary of the kind of setup assist guy at this point. Um, so uh, actually, Roland Lama has been a very good fantasy player this year. 
Excellent, excellent little tip. I feel like Plastic Pitch would be a great podcast for anyone uh, coming from <laughs> City. It's actually uh, my, uh, it's my MLS themed uh, emo band, so you can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a great emo band name. Yes, the Plastic Pitch. I love it. I love it so much. Let's go out and start a website for that one. Uh, so, spoiler alert: we were supposed to have Jay as a surprise guest on the show tonight, but somehow he had to end up going to a a work dinner meeting unplanned, not told to him until the last minute. So, whatever, Excuse, whatever it was, whatever. RSL beats Colorado at home. Uh, good for them. It's got uh, Plata and Rusnak back on the goal list uh, and assist list. So. Um, keep an eye on them. They they could be getting some form. That's what we expect from RSL when they're at home. But Colorado is a big match for them. So you tend to expect the best right here. Uh, be wary going forward, fantasy managers, because you could get some <clears throat> games out of them from time to time. Uh, games that aren't snoozers, though. Atlanta beats LA Galaxy. Uh, fantastic game here. Lots of goal, lots of shots. couple of goals, both of them on Atlanta's side. And... Uh, Guys, any quick thoughts on Zlatan? Um, welcome to MLS. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful to him or anything, but we see this all the time. You get a new transfer into MLS. Even the biggest names, they may come off and have a great first or second performance, and then this happens. They've got to adjust to the league. Um, unlike what some people will say, he is still human. And he's going to have to adjust to the way MLS plays. I think he caught a few people by surprise early. I think the sub role might be better for him coming on against defenses with some tired legs. They allow him a little bit more space, and he's able to do something magical. But this is to be expected for any new player to MLS, not just Laton. And he'll come back around. He'll get it all together. But this happens to every player. What do you think about his pairing with Kamara? Anybody? Um, I'll, I'll go again, I guess. Um, I'm not sure that his presence on the field is best for Kamara. I'm not, I, I don't see him as the guy getting out as wide and throwing in crosses to Kamara. I think Kamara tends to thrive with a couple of guys on the outside playing up a little higher, just <clears throat> whipping in balls to him and letting him get in the right spots. I was worried when Zlatan signed if they tried to push him into a starting role too quickly, if this was going to hurt the Galaxy's chances in their production. And it seems to be doing that a little bit. I think they're going to take a little bit more time to adjust and figure out what formation is going to work best with the players they have. But I don't think adding Zlatan is going to help Kamara in the long run. All right. And, and that's the thing. They have a lot of good pieces, but they're a long ways away from figuring out where those pieces are. And we're starting to hear rumors now of Siggy being on the hot seat, which, I mean, it's the Galaxy. You never really know because every time they lose two games in a row, all of a sudden their coach is on the hot seat. That's just the nature of that job. <clears throat> but, I mean, th this was a problem before the season. We're trying to figure out how all these pieces fit. I mean, we haven't even brought up Giovanni Dos Santos's name yet. So... I mean, they're going to have to make some major decisions, both uh, coaching-wise and roster-wise, I think, to make everything work. And, of course, the fantasy impact of all this discussion for everyone listening is uh, you have the chance of some big price drops because of going with players like this. If if Slaton is not producing, then he's going to come on there, get two points for you, and then his price is going to go down, which is, is what we saw this past week dropping 500,000 because of that three and five game average. And if he comes on as a sub, you also risk some of that drop as well, since we don't have that minimum threshold anymore. So uh, this is a big risk, big risk for forwards in general, though, I think with, with this new system, we'll touch them on that a little bit later. Yeah, it's, it's almost like with Zlatan, you want to use them as like your alternate in a transfer route. Like if you need right. to bring on another forward and you're like desperate to get something more than two, Otherwise, it's kind of because with LA playing the late game almost every time, it's not like you can put them in the beginning of an auto roo. So, uh, so Mike, this next question for you: Seattle gets their first win of the season. Uh, have they turned it around? Do you think this is more of a product of <clears throat> playing against Minnesota, who seemed to sneak some goals in still? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we've seen from Seattle the past two weeks is largely due to Ozzy Alonso. Um, when he was on the field, both uh, last game against Sporting Kansas City and in the first half in this game when 
because I think he probably should have been subbed out after 45 minutes. I, I think they had a lot more energy. They had a lot more discipline. Uh, you could really tell like the force of his leadership on the field. Um, but when he kind of got tired and wasn't as dominant, um, it kind of fell apart and they, you know, they were kind of on their back heels for the second half. So I, I think I'm attributing this mostly to Seattle. Um, but I mean, don't don't lo- overlook Minnesota. Quintero's come on. He's been getting goals. He's been very active. He's been creating chances. So far, he looks like a good signing. Now, like Blaine said, you know, sometimes those new signings come on. They're like wildfire, and then after game three or four, then they you know they'll, they'll look, look don't look so good. But um, I, I think Seattle can at least turn it around from what we saw at the beginning of the season, which was just absolute garbage, and we're letting in. But I, I still have real concerns about their defense. I wouldn't pick. Uh, them for a clean sheet uh, anytime soon and until Alonzo is like 100% and can go 90. I still got to say, love me some Will Bruin. Had a great value as a forward. Just saying. Uh, then finally, Portland thrashes New York City FC. Sorry, Mike. Is Villa 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 still a go-to? <laughs> it's been a while since we had a, a, a David Villa. David Villa. Sighting anyway, or sighting anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Is Villa still David a go-to? Villa from Aston Villa. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, I, you know, for right now, I I think for the next few weeks, I would I I wouldn't consider him a go-to. He's just still hasn't looked quite the same. Um, number-wise, he's not generating the same kind of shots, uh, which was really the crux of his fantasy fantasy production the past few years. You could at least count on him getting four points because he took so many shots. Um. But, I mean, this past game, you know, the energy just wasn't quite there. Um, I'm not sure he's 100% back from whatever the injuries he had in preseason and this season were. So, I think, like, in the past with New York City at home, he's an absolute must-have. I I think he's probably a tier below that where he's someone you definitely want to consider, but he's not, like, immediately right uh, your team sheets like it is, for example. And when Atlanta's at home, you immediately write in Joseph Martinez and – uh, Almiron. So I think he's kind of taken a little bit of a step back, but, um, and that's also partially because there's a number of other attackers from New York City. So even when New York City plays well, which they absolutely did not this weekend, um, there are other players who are going to steal uh, goals and assists from. Exactly. Well, that's what I've taken away from the games this round. Anything you guys want to add that was overlooked or that I got wrong? I think he did a really good job this week, Reed. Uh, well, thanks. I, I have to say that Mike helped a lot with this rundown. Uh, so it's it's not it's not all me. I was pretty slammed trying to get this stuff put together. So Mike came through and and helped with this immensely. Which well, I was kind of wondering, like, if you would be like, no, it's week? all wrong, Reed. Oh, <laughs> what was that? I said someone from New York City had to come through this week. <laughs> uh, well, I mean. I have no one on the field. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get on to some housekeeping before we touch on some Reddit questions and round nine, which is quickly approaching. Uh, CCL action continues on Wednesday. We don't talk about all the soccer stuff here, but uh, uh, big game for Toronto. Big game going down to Mexico. So you know they will be bringing their A-plus lineup to that game on Wednesday, so likely not to feature in the, their game later on this weekend. Uh, so just be aware of that. Watch the lineups. You never know. Someone may slip in there, but we could be looking at it. Yeah, I mean, I would so watch hopefully. the lineups. I don't know if they necessarily will totally rotate because, I mean, after this, they're done. Right. So they may start you know, playing the A-plus players in because they, they're at the bottom of the table. They might have to get some points in Chicago, but they'll be tired. And a lot of it's going to depend on how they're doing that first half. So, I mean, if if they come out and drop some points, then they may be like, that's it, writing's on the wall, let's save some guys. So, yeah, keep an eye out, but uh, we could be looking at another another uh, depleted, likely anyway, a depleted Toronto team because of CCL action this Wednesday. Or is it uh, Tuesday? It's Tuesday, isn't it? It's, it's Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Okay, I got confused. It was Tuesday last week, it's Wednesday this week. Oh, yeah, there we Just go. Just to confuse you. Just to confuse me, exactly. Uh, one team on a buy this round. Otherwise, everybody else is playing, and that team is Portland. So if you're looking for some buy players for your various switcheroos, autoroos, transfers, whatever you're going to do, uh, Portland players are good options this round. Uh, Patreon. Again, we were going to have Jay give you a little Patreon bu- pump about how much he'll love you if you donate. And he will. If you donate to Patreon, Jay is contractually obligated to love you. And and he will. And he'll like you so much. And, uh, and besides maybe the only that, way to get his love now. That's right. Uh, <laughs> besides that, uh, we've got scarves and we've got stickers and we've got, and we've got glasses and, 
And everything of that is on its way as soon as I'm able to get it all ordered and shipped in. And thank you so much for those of you who are patiently waiting for that to go out. Uh, I thank you for helping support this show and then the various other projects that we have going on. We have some fun stuff in store for you because uh, it's coming up on May the 4th. And you know what that is. Star Wars Day, we're going to have a special little May the 4th episode, or May the 4th-ish episode. A uh, little bit of a tease for that. going to come out uh, to our higher tier Patreon members first. You'll be able to join us in a live recording of that episode. Uh, then it will drop as a, a little downloadable podcast, as usual, like our little bonus episodes do. For everyone else on Patreon, who we still love, so we're giving you that, that special members only access and then finally after that we will drop it out to the rest of the community and, and let them nerd out with with me and mike and and see how that goes but special star wars episode if you're interested in what this patreon thing is head over to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash m-l-s-f-i and find out how you can get involved with a pretty awesome group of fantasy people and with that being said mike the injury news all right, uh, let's start off with a question mark. Um, Don Lottie came off uh, early for Minnesota. I couldn't quite tell if it was injury-related or performance-related. He had been banged up a few times and looked injured, but he also didn't look good before that, so keep an eye on that uh, if you're looking to start the Minnesota forward. Uh, another loon that uh, left early was Finlay. He was definitely injured, so uh, no word on a timetable for him. Um Jonathan Dos Santos uh, was subbed out of the lineup before kickoff with a calf issue. Uh, he's supposedly having tests uh, today to figure out the extent of that injury, but because it's the LA Galaxy, we have no word on what those tests revealed. Uh, we, then we have a bunch of red cards. Tim Howard had a red card, although I'm kind of curious as to whether that one might be reversed. But um, as of right now, he's suspended for the next match. Um, Zach McMath will take his place. Victor Cabrera from Montreal, he got a red card, will also be suspended for the match against uh, Atlanta, which is a good thing. I mean, they don't really need defenders when you go on the road to Atlanta. Uh, Vancouver has two red cards, Juarez and Reyna, so they'll be suspended next week. Um, they, there may be some add-ons there because they were uh, got the Reds out of a fight, so maybe some violent conduct add-ons um, like we saw with Clint Dempsey. Um, now back to some injuries from last week. Um, Horst uh, missed this weekend. Um, I think he's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, Acosta, uh, Phil knows, is coming back. Um, he, I think the uh, third-degree net thought he's going to be back probably next weekend, so we'll see if that's in a starting role or in a substitute role. Um, Tajuri is out with a hamstring issue, um, but they still haven't given a, a timetable for that. Um, wouldn't count on him playing uh, this week, but uh, we'll have to see. And um, still no um, firm word on uh, like Valalba or Escobar. So um, that's kind of where we are uh, with the injury stuff. Good. Uh, uh, one uh, one like thing to add, Mike. Sure. Uh, Felipe Gutierrez did see about a 15-minute cameo against Vancouver. Uh, he did dress and got to play a little bit, so he's back. I don't know if he's quite ready for a starting role after the injury, but I kind of expect to see him start the next game. Gotcha. Good enough. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for the injury news. I know it's a favorite of many of our listeners. Uh, some quick Reddit questions before we go on to our game-by-game -game preview. This one comes from Overscore, and he wants to know, what do you guys think of bringing back a sell-on penalty to counter the ballooning team values? And I know we've fussed about this a lot, so uh, Phil, we'll let you start out with this one to see what your thoughts are on the scoring system this year. The, the budgets just are way out of hand. Um, it's, you can just pick whoever you want to already. It's only the eighth week. Um, so uh, something needs to be tweaked. I, I don't think you need... I don't think it can happen now, uh, maybe for the second season of this year, but um, there, what I, I guess what I don't like the most is um, this is always a problem, but when you pick the right player, you get the most points and extra budget. And I always thought that was a little bit unfair. Um, now the budget increases even when players have bad performances based on their average, which I think is totally bonkers and I can't stand it. So, and decreases when they have good performances. <laughs> yeah, so that makes less sense than when they increased 
when they had a good performance before, and I didn't like that already. Um, so yeah, so something has to be done to keep this in line and make it a little bit more of a challenge than just picking all your favorite superstars every week. Do you think a, a sell-on penalty is the best solution for that, or do you think just slowing the price rises more similar to what we had last year is a better idea? Yeah, like I like slowing the price rises. If you're if you have a sell-on penalty, it becomes like the stock market, and I don't think people play fantasy sports to remind them of the stock market. <laughs> Blank, Mike, let you guys chime in. Um, well, I just want to do a perspective thing before Mike chimes in. Uh, yeah, we're running into week nine here, but this half of the season is only 17 weeks. So this is the halfway point of the season. So the ballooning price, the ballooning um, budgets are a little crazy, but we're halfway to the end already. So this is uh, definitely an interesting aspect to look at it. We were, we're still as high as we were at the end of last season for the most part. So this is still crazy, but at the halfway point, I don't mind having a little bit more money to play with if you budget it right early on. Um, as far as a sell-on penalty, eh, that, that's a little bit too much um, overhead and management and planning for me. Uh, what I was going to say is I don't know if a sell-on penalty makes a whole lot of sense with unlimited transfers because then you're getting a penalty over pretty much every player because you're going to swap almost most players out uh, in and out. So... To me, it doesn't really make sense if you're going to have the price system the way it is. I think the better solution to the ballooning team value is to say your team value does not increase. Um, you say you have to pick a fresh slate every uh, week, and that way the player's price rises or increases. Who cares? Like I, If Albert at least goes down even though he has a goal, I don't care because it just depends on what his new value is to pick him up fresh. So I think that's ultimately the solution to this. I mean, I think there are better price systems if we're going to have – team value increase and decrease um, than what we have now. But I mean, Phil nailed it on the head. We shouldn't have be able to predict a price increase or decrease and your performance this game should affect increase or decrease. And I think what's happening is because there's a cap, there's increases that are decreases that haven't happened for past performances that still need to be taken into account. And it's just resulted in a nonsensical system. Um, you know, I, kind of wish there had been more testing and kind of see the way this actually played out. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a number of ways to solve it. I don't think a sell on penalty is one of them, but it definitely has to be addressed. I mean, I got a message today on Twitter with someone being like, I don't want to play the second half because it's ridiculous. And quite frankly, I agree. Like I picked my first player, like did a full auto route and I have 8.1 million in, in the bank for a transfer route in a keeper. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, Zussi watch update. He's now at nine million, so that's pretty ridiculous for a defender. <laughs> yeah, we'll say. we'll get into like some of the individual craziness whenever we have like the budget decrease at the second half, which I think we're all getting reverted back to a hundred, and then it's going to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think the I think you guys hit a lot of the the high points. Um, I think you're exactly right, Mike. If if the point of unlimited transfers is to help you be able to play the players you want, and if you like the big-name players, get in the big-name player that you want at uh, that week that you can afford, the caveat there, then I think the sell-on penalty does hurt that element of this game. It, it discourages you from doing those transfers, and you're exactly right, Phil. It makes it like a stock market game and less about soccer strategy. The strategy I like is how does this team compare to that team and who is going to do well. That's the strategy I think is fun with fantasy not strategy against the game mechanics itself, I guess is a, a way I can describe this um, with who's going to rise or who's going to, and that's still here with trying to build some value, but ultimately it's who's going to do better and give me the most points. Um, and, and I think with all of our bye weeks and these things that that, that just is, is a harsh penalty. Uh, I liked the system from last year and I exchanged some conversation with overscore on the Reddit forums and, and he did not play last year. So he did not, see that but I, I did like what we had last year with kind of comparing it to the average of other people in your position uh, and having that threshold of minutes so you didn't just get penalized coming off the bench that that is definitely happening this year but great question overscore thank you so much for that one uh, a few questions from um uh seeing matt zat coming coming to us uh quickly right here guys um how much diversification in your team do you think is wise playing uh, depends on the week. Um, Fair. Last week I went 
four deep on Kansas City, and I know everybody else who did was really happy with that choice. Um, some of the guys that went really deep on Houston got burned. I know I had Tomas Martinez on my team. He got me a whopping four points, and I expected a lot more out of him against that. Um, I only went with Minotas as well from that team. So it depends on the matchup in the week. But like this week, if you've got Atlanta at home, you're you're probably going at least two, if not three or four deep right there because it's the right matchup. So with you, when you got some of these power teams at home, you're gonna you're gonna go four deep, but other than that, you kind of play it as you need to. Um, we discussed it in length last year with the unlimited transfers. Is it ever wise to go three or four deep on defense? And it, again, it really depends on the team. But if you've got a strong feeling about a clean sheet, that's where you go multiple players deep on defense. Otherwise, you might <laughs> want to try to diversify a little bit, keep your average up, don't get burned by one goal and lose twenty points. If you've got four deep in defense. Give yourself a couple of shots where a couple of mistakes where you may not t- suffer that goal, but it really depends on the matchup. Sure. Uh, Phil, Mike, and Dad? I mean, I, I try not to do too much unless there's a great matchup. Like I had three Houston players last week because uh, obviously against TFC uh, and a B team, and uh, that was an incredible matchup. Um, you know, putting double game weeks aside, I kind of look first, like, is there a clean sheet opportunity? Then I'll get, you know, a defender and then maybe a goalkeeper if it's the best clean sheet shot. Um, and then if it's also a great attacking opportunity, then two. I think for the most part, you're really looking at two players, a team, most of the time if it's a good matchup. Um, over than that, it's got to be like a great matchup, and that depends week to week. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty spot on. Four for a double game week, two for a, a regular game week that you think is pretty good, three for one that you think is unbalanced. Uh, personally for me with the defender keeper stuff, I usually like to double up. Uh, if I think a keeper's got a good shot at a clean sheet, I'll double up w- at least one of my defenders with him. And with the keeper, I'll probably have another player that could be doubled up with my potential other keeper. Um, I like that. But I, I do like that diversity. We see a lot of points from a lot of different people in the league, and it's not always big name marquee players or, or big, big priced, high priced players either. So I, I like that diversity. I think that gives you some some better chances for points. And then there's going to be less diversity on defense because, I mean, with the way MLS is structured and all the money spent on attacking players, we've generally talked about like two or three good clean sheet uh, shots anyway. So that's generally where you're going to concentrate more um, is on the defensive end. All right. So Phil, you had some success with your, your uh, switcheroos and otteroos this, this past round. So how about this question? Do you think it's better to take a squad of big money guys with little room for otteroo or is it better to have some cheaper guys to do the auto route? Maybe you're biased. I've done a little bit of both this year. It depends on what high-priced players I want in my squad and how much money I have left over. Because um, typically I try to pick out um, the higher-priced guys that I know are going to perform as kind of the cornerstones of my squad and then piece together the rest of it. And if I have money left, then I like to try the auto route. Um, if I don't, then I've gone with just, uh, you know, because there are rolling transfers, you can verify that all of your players are playing and then you don't really need subs. You could just swap out for later playing players. So it's possible to go with just the bare minimum uh, subs if you want to do that too. That's spot on. Uh, And then finally, uh, Mike, we'll let you kick this one off. What is your threshold for keeping a transferroo or autoroo player that is on your bench? Uh, does it vary by position? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, I think in general, it's it's five. Um, you know, I'm, generally, the, the reason my thinking is in order for unlimited transfers, in order for them to have a good game, they probably need a goal or an assist or a clean sheet if it's a, a defensive player. Um, so usually five is that goal, um, you know, unless they can make up with it for the bunch of bonus points because it's like, well, if five, that that's where I think it's a little bit more risky where you're going to be losing points. But if it's four, generally I'd be losing, what, one or two points for maybe a possibility of like six points more. So um, that's usually my threshold is, is about five. Yep. Same for me, Blaine, Phil. Um, I vary it from week to week, depending on the position and who's playing. Um, I'm trying to pull up one of my old uh, fantasy uh, advanced transfer tactics article, because on a lot of my players, I do give an over under on where I want to see them hit. 
And I know there was a goalkeeper one, I think two weeks ago, and I'm looking for the the exact numbers I used, but I re- I raised my threshold a lot higher. And I think it was a mistake that week with the way the games played out, but you had Tim Melia at home against Seattle in one of the late games. So I put my goalkeeper over-unders a little bit higher that week because you've got a really solid option to transfer into, but you might as well take the risk, see those early points before you commit to the last game of the week's goalkeeper. Because, you know, if you hit it early, then you're saving some money and you're going, you do your thing. So it, it kind of depends. Um, big thing I look at is the bonus point production of the guy you're going to transfer into if the if your first player fails you. And if they're averaging two to three bonus points, that may bump up my threshold of where I'm going to be looking at a player. But typically it's between that four and five mark. I'm If I'm four points and I'm doing well in my head-to-heads and I like my overall score, I might stick with the four just because I've seen some guys lay some duds late in the week. Five or six points is usually a keep for me, though. You agree, Phil? Yeah, five or above I would keep, and four below I would probably swap. There we go across the board. Thank you so much, everyone, for those questions. I know a few came in after we had finalized our rundown. Uh, Try to engage with some people on the forums, but uh, thank you so much. And keep submitting those questions. We'll get on as many as we can. All right, now our game-by-game previews. First one, Vancouver versus RSL. The only note I got from Jason on this game was that RSL wins 2-1. to And you know what? I I think I agree with him. The Whitecaps are down uh, three starters now uh, due to red cards and, and injuries and they're uh, coming home for an uh, rsl is coming off of a home win against colorado which is a which is a big game that that's a big rivalry there so a lot of of um form could be carrying over for real salt lake uh, um but i expect vancouver is going to mostly bunker in this game just missing so many key starting players and they tend to be more of that trying to counterattack or at least that boot and scoot type team anyway. Uh, so without that, I, I don't really think they can do much, but RSL's not been too solid on the road. So I think they could get one. Perhaps it comes from Breck Shea on either a late sub, or maybe he gets some, some more starting time this. So my prediction, I agree with Jay two, uh, one real salt Lake in this game. If you wanted someone Rusnak and Plata, I think would be my two go-to guys from real salt Lake. Uh, Shea, though, as an Otteru, I think could work out under 6 million points right there. Otherwise, I think there are better choices later on in uh, our explanation. Blaine, Atlanta versus Montreal. Yeah, uh, like we've talked about a lot along, Atlanta at home is always fun to watch. Uh, Montreal is going to be without one of their, without their probably their most important defensive player in Cabrera. Uh, I expect this one to get ugly and get out of hand fast. I have a hard time predicting any scoreline over a three. So I'm just saying three plus to one for Atlanta. I'm not sure they keep the clean sheet. I do like Piotti's counterattack and the lead and the way they've got that team structured. And Atlanta is uh, subject to it when they get their numbers going forward. So I'm going to say it's at least three goals for Atlanta and a three and one for uh, one for Montreal. Um, your typical go-tos of Almiron and Martinez. If Vialba starts, it's an early game. You may take a look at him. Um, Barco's got a start last week, I think it was, and Gressel's been really lighting up the score sheet. But at 9.2, he's getting a little pricey for that. But if you think Atlanta's going to run all over Montreal like I do, this is a time to go three or four deep and maybe even all in the attacking side just because of the numbers they put up and make sure you catch a few of those goals. Mike, Toronto versus Chicago. Well, like we talked about earlier, a lot of this depends on what happens midweek and what kind of lineup. Um, Personally, I think Toronto will probably field uh, any lineup in this game just because I think they need to catch up. I mean, they're last in the standings right now. And while I don't think what they've done so far is going to, you know, absolutely kill them, you know, they're going to have to start pretty soon on on getting those points. Uh, Plus they're at home. So um, either they'll be really happy or really aggravated and, you know, really motivated. So um, kind of a general caution, look at particular players because some of them have been subs and so some of them may be subject to price decreases. So just kind of be aware of that. Pretty much all Toronto's players because their schedule is wonky. So go look up their individual player profiles. That said, I I think if Toronto starts an A lineup, unless they go 120, 
uh, in Guadalajara. I think this is a good matchup. Um, Chicago is still confused defensively. They gave up a bunch of shots. Uh, I think they were kind of lucky to get uh, a win uh, at Red Bull Arena. I don't think they'll be so lucky this time. Uh, I think it's a 2 nothing win for Toronto. Uh, I think this is one of your better clean sheet uh, opportunities this week, um, which isn't saying a whole lot. It's kind of a rough clean sheet week, I think. But <clears throat> um, I'm really looking at the defense. I think Bono is a great person for a, a switcher, a keeper-roo, because they're the second game uh, that kicks off this weekend. And um, also helps with the defenders. You can kind of do someone like Vanderweel or, you know, see who's playing and then put them in the auto row. And if they don't get the clean sheet, then transfer who in or use other places for the auto row. So that's kind of where I'm thinking TFC is this week. Hmm, nice. Philadelphia versus D.C. Uh, the story for Philadelphia this year has been shoot, 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 but not score. Uh, they're currently uh, at 18 shots per game almost at home, and that puts them fifth overall in the league. Uh, DC, on the other hand, has allowed eight goals in their four away games. So I think this one is going to be the end to the two-game scoring drought that Philadelphia has experienced. Uh, and just because I think it would make Mike sad if uh, it didn't happen at least once during any preview with the DC team, Mullins. So uh, that's for you, Mike, right there. I think this is going to be 2-0, though. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I try to do what you, try to do good by you. Um, Philadelphia's defense I do like. I think they're pretty solid when they're at home. So even even with potentially Mullins with some more time, I uh, I don't think so. I think it's going to be 2-0 Philadelphia. I'm looking at defenders again for this one. Uh, Blake, trusty, some, some good options there. Rosenberry as well. He's been their top scoring defender. If you want a budget player, then uh, Rial or Gaddis could be your man. They're both under 5 million, but it they're, I can't tell you who's going to start. So you're going to have to look at the lineup. They rotated recently. It was Gaddis last time, Rial before that, um, but they're both cheap potential clean sheet, I think here. Uh, but um, I, I think I have one of them on my team right now. So I like it. Phil, Columbus versus San Jose. Columbus was a team I thought might be much worse than last year because of the whole negativity surrounding the club. And they haven't shown that yet. They, they've shown a lot of fight in the first few weeks and then some confusion recently. Um, but if you look at expected goals against, they're actually um, putting the lowest numbers up. So they would be the best defense according to expected goals against per game, um, which is doesn't really pass the eye test currently. Um, so that's a question mark. But um, if you're trusting the statistics, then this is a team to look at for a clean sheet. Um, the betting market thinks that there's going to be two and a half goals this game. Um, and uh, Columbus is a one goal favorite. So that would be something like a two to one uh, victory for Columbus. Um, so I mean, a potential clean sheet. I was kind of looking at Columbus defenders. Um, now, Jossie Zardes is one of the top um, expected goals plus expected assist performers this year. He's actually third um, in the league, and he does, but he does have more minutes than some of the other players. Um, so that could be a potential reason why, because I think Columbus have played another game than uh, some other teams. Um, but also, so Jossie would be another player to look at. And um, from San Jose, I'm. I don't see any standout fantasy performers because um, like Vaco was doing really well and then he didn't play. And I'm not really sure, entirely sure why he didn't start. And uh, Magnus Eriksson was the player I picked at the beginning of the year to be a, a top player. And it seems like he's still picking up stride. I think he can get there, but he's not there yet. And he's expensive. Um, so I wouldn't recommend him on the road. So uh, from Columbus, the defender and potentially Jossie Zardes. Right. Blaine, New England versus Sporting Kansas City. Uh, this is probably the biggest wild card game of the week. Um, Sporting is leading the league in goals right now, and I don't necessarily trust New England's defense, but it's a road game, and Sporting without Gutierrez has been a little bit hit and miss. Uh, Johnny Russell turned it on to give them that two of the three they had while it was still 11 on 11 last weekend. But New England really turning up the pressure and they've got different guys scoring. I know Fagundes got, I think a four last week in fantasy, which isn't great, but the rest of the players did really well. 
Um, this is probably going to be kind of a back and forth shootout type of game. I know Kansas City likes to run the possession, and New England's capable of countering against that. So you got a, you got a lot of options if this goes high scoring. Um, I like Fagundes, the Hebo, and Bunbury's an interesting auto route candidate this week. He did get the goal last week. They look like they're playing him as the lone striker for now. Uh, he's got some speed to expose the Kansas City defense, and I do like his ability against them. It's a good matchup for him. On the flip side, if you're going to go with some road guys, um, if Felipe's back, he is always a threat. He went five for five and then before he got injured. And then, yeah, he just came back. So if he's still going to score like that, um, he's definitely somebody to keep on the radar. Uh, Johnny Russell's just turned it on, figured something out. This team's figured something out with him. Uh, he and Felipe both have five goals on the season. And then Chaloui's an interesting Otteru candidate because of his price. He's still a little bit lower and still brings a lot to the team. Um, I don't know. I'm just going gut feeling on the prediction this week. I've got a 2-3 to Sporting Kansas City on the road. Ooh, big points. Minnesota versus Houston. Phil? I think this one's going to have goals. Um, we've got Minnesota United, uh, leaky defense. Uh, they really have not solved their problem on defense from last year. And they're going up against Elise, who has just been elite this year. Uh, he is near the top of the expected goals chart. He's um, just barely behind Almiron. So those are the, the two top players in the league by expected goals plus expected assists. Um, so those are two players that uh, you're going to be looking at every week to be in your lineup. Um, so definitely uh, look at Elise. Of course, uh, he's on the road. Um, that's typically, I don't, uh, I don't typically pick road players just because there are unlimited transfers, and so you can get all of the home guys if you want. Uh, on Minnesota, we've got Darwin Quintero. He's played two games. He's averaging five shots per game, three key passes, five dribbles. Uh, so, man, what an electric player. So this is a matchup of uh, two offenses. Uh, you're going to want to look at Quintero and Elise. All right. Next one, we have the L.A. Galaxy versus the New York Red Bulls. Uh, you know, L.A. is an offensive crapshoot at this point. I feel like you've got Zlatan, you've got uh, Ola Kamara up there, and you've got to play both of these guys because you spent so much money on them. But you can't really tell who's going to be getting those goals just because of the personality from Zlatan and uh, how that's going to impact Ola Kamara week in, week out. Plus some shuffling around there. And in the midfield with Alessandrini, with Leggett, and then with Arquatro Dos Santos, depending on who's healthy or injured at the time, um, it's it's just a little uncertain what's going to happen. That being said, uh, this game has a history of goals. These two teams play against each other. And um, uh, I, th I think we're going to see some more of this game. Both have been defensively leaky at their respective corners. LA's allowed eight goals over four home games, and the Red Bulls have allowed five over their two games on the road. So I'm thinking this is going to be a 2-2 game, and it's going to be your basic goal scorers who are going to be the prime targets for going here. Uh, Kamara's Latan combo there, whoever you think is going to work. Just be careful of that uh, price drop you could hit. And then uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, who did get – uh, the better score, at least for me, this last round. Uh, but I view these guys at best maybe a third forward option for this round, um, maybe more like fourth or lower with some of the other options that you have, uh, maybe with Houston, maybe with, with Atlanta, and then maybe from another L.A. team that we're going to talk about a little bit later. All right, here we go. Thunderdome time. New York City versus FC Dallas. Mike versus Phil. Let's do this. Mike, you start. Uh, well, this I mean, this past week was the worst week for New York City. Uh, I think the main takeaway from it is that um, they've been having some trouble breaking teams down. Um, and Dallas is coming in unbeaten. Uh, I think their unbeaten run comes to an end. Uh, I think New York City will rebound. Um, hopefully, uh, Patrick Vieira learned his lesson and will not start Roddy Wallace and Ofori over Herrera and Medina. And uh, so I, I think with those attacking pieces on the field, I haven't seen enough from Dallas to convince me that they can shut uh, a dynamic offense like that down. Um, and even I, I don't really know if Diaz will start or not. I mean, that was kind of a confusing move to me. But uh, I think with Ring and Herrera, 
uh, I think they'll be able to shut them down. I think the main concern from New York City is whether Ring um, maybe is a little tentative because the Hudson River Derby is next week and Ring is one yellow card uh, away from getting suspended. Hmm. So that might be the only thing that can save uh, Dallas. But I, I think this should be a 2-1 win for New York City. It's the perfect setup. NYCFC just beaten by a counterattacking team. Uh, what did FC Dallas do this past weekend? Oh, they dropped Diaz and went to a counterattacking style against Philly playing uh, 4-4-2. I think um, the, the matchup is, is perfect for Dallas to get a result. Um, we're currently leading the league with goals against per game with only half a goal per game, three goals against in six matches. So the, top, the current top defense in the league, which is actually somewhat surprising because we replaced two starters uh, we placed three starters along the back line. Um, we brought in um, Ned Yalkov as a left back, who's turning into one of the top left backs in the league. He is the Bulgarian butcher. He's active on both sides of the ball. He um, gets multiple tackles a game and also contributes key passes and assists on the offensive end. And uh, Reggie Cannon just came off his best game ever. Um, in only six games this year, he's become a solid starter in MLS. And so he's just growing by leaps and bounds. And we've got Reto Ziegler, who's a, a Bundesliga veteran, a Swiss, former Swiss international, who has been playing much better than Zimmerman ever played um, in terms of just being stable and a leader in the back. Um, so I think it's actually going to be a lower scoring game than people might think. Um, people, I think not everyone realizes that FC Dallas's defense has been so good. Um, so I think they keep the score low. I think uh, a 1-1 one, one draw is realistic. Um, and I think that Diaz does not start again because I think that will go with the 4-4-2 again with Ja'Cory Hayes in the middle, who's been an, an absolute revelation. The guy is just all over the place. And Carlos Grueso sat last match. Um, not only did Diaz sit, but Arudi and Grueso were all subs. Um, so I think Ja'Cory Hayes has potentially displaced Carlos Grueso in the lineup, which seems ridiculous. Um, because of all the praise that Grueso was getting last year. And Kellen Acosta is healthy again. So now we have this big logjam of, of solid two-way players that can play central midfield. Um, so I think we see um, hopefully Acosta and Hayes in the middle. And then uh, Coleman started last game, but he was really ineffective. He was kind of stranded because he requires service. And with Diaz out, nobody was really getting him the ball very well. Um, so I think that Coleman actually sits in this one and a Rudy starts because he's the defensive forward that get, tracks back and um, Harry's defensive midfielders. So Alex Ring's not going to get as much time on the ball as he's used to because Rudy's going to be in his face all game long. And uh, it's going to be a real um, slow paced game. I think NYC was going to have the ball probably 65% and FC Dallas is going to try to hit on the counter. Uh, it's going to end one to one. Nice. Now that's that's how our Thunderdome works, guys. That's that's the benchmark now. Uh, Mike, if you want New York players, who do you look at? Uh, probably Morales um, or, or Medina. I um, mean, if Tajori comes back, I, I think he would be someone. Um, but probably your best value is on the defensive end. Um, I don't trust Dallas's defense, or excuse me, offense, especially if they're subbing out Diaz to. Um, to do a counterattacking thing, like Phil said. So um, I, I think a Callens, if Matarita starts, he's super cheap and is coming back up after those weeks of subbing. So uh, he could be an option there. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking at, uh, you know, maybe one of the attackers. Generally, I think there are some better options this week, but um, Otteru candidates for the defense is, is where I'm looking. All right, and Phil, final word, who are the Dallas players you want if you go with them? This is a tough one because I don't expect it to be high scoring and I don't expect a clean sheet. And it's also a late game, so you can't really take a gamble on somebody on the bench. So I guess Answer I would say nobody that is okay. if you're winning your head-to-head -head matchup and you just want like a, a solid high-floor player that's going to get you six points, put in Ja'Cory Hayes. I guess that would be my suggestion. It's only 7.3. All right. Excellent. Colorado versus Orlando. Um, I'm not having any of this game. It's uh, I know we talked about Orlando scoring some recently. Uh, Colorado's been pretty good at home, though, and this is a long way for the Lions to travel, uh, but they have been scoring. Uh, they have 12 goals over four games, which is crazy since I think they 
Uh, started the season uh, with zero and then one, like one goal. It, this They were just struggling at the beginning, uh, with, and they did not have all their midfield parts together. But uh, 12 goals over four games, but they've also allowed seven over that same time. So uh, they're sacrificing that defense for those goals. So I think we'll see goals on both sides. I think the altitude and the travel – will wear some on the Orlando team. Uh, so I think this is going to be a 1-1 draw. Not very many fantasy options, I would think, from here, unless you're going with someone like Mueller that we mentioned early on uh, as a little cheap sub-6 million player, I believe, right now uh, for your Otteru off the bench. Uh, he could be there as something. Baji is also a, a good kind of value choice. Both of those, though, for me, would be Otteru options for uh, this game. And then finally, Blaine, take us home. LAFC versus Seattle. Yeah. A rematch of the opening week where LAFC got the 1-0 win on the road. Um, I think LA's gelled more as a team, and I know Seattle's coming around, but I really do like this LA off- offense. This is their first home game, isn't it? Yep. Expect a large home crowd. Um, I did a 4-2 scoreline to bring this – or to start this up as kind of a rough draft, and I'm going to stick with that first home game. I think Vela is going to going to put it together. Rossi's probably going to get one. Uh, Fellhaber playing back in his home state, pl- close to where he or close to home for him. Um, Blessing's got that attitude and that swagger. Um, I think they're going to run all over this uh, Seattle team, but you've still got Ladero, and I am a Bruin fan along with you, Reed. Hello. Um, I like what I like what he's doing with this team with Morris out. He really is a almost a premium forward that's just not getting the respect he deserves right now. So with those two and Dempsey just being there, I think Ladero and Bruin are your two big points guys. But with Dempsey there, they're going to get something back. I don't trust this LA defense. So four two, but you've got Vela Rossi. I would consider Blessing as an Otteru candidate here. Rossi might be your transferu into option on this one. And if you've got a ton of money left and your bench candidates didn't do well, I'd take Ladero or Bruin at the back end of the week. Last game, if you're just looking for points, these are some good guys to grab it if you didn't get the points you wanted on your bench. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for those game breakdowns. Now let's move on to the chalkboard. Mike, who do you like for keepers? Uh, right now, I have Bono as part of the first part of this uh, keeper room. Bill? I've got Andre Blake. And Blaine? Um, I've actually got Marinovich on the keeper room. Mm, diversity. I like it a lot. Defenders. Phil, who do you like? Uh, well, I'm looking at Columbus's back line. Um, I don't know what Abubakar's status is, but potentially him or uh, maybe Valenzuela, who's about the same price. I'm uh, looking at Philly's back line, and I would like Jack Elliott, but I don't know his status either. <laughs> yeah. um, so maybe Keegan Rosenberry. Um, then I was considering like Atlanta's back line, I guess. I'm, I'm not totally convinced, sold or convinced on them. Gonzalez Perez is really cheap, but he's not playing well either. And I would expect that he bounces back at some point, but I don't know what's wrong with him currently. Um, so that that's kind of like a cheap, potential option and do you really want to bank on him bouncing back after piata gets a hat trick yeah right. <laughs> uh blaine defenders uh currently i have uh shea and phillips in an otteru um, phillips for rsl and then i've got garza and zuzi again this week mike uh, I have valenzuela callens and then vanderweel and gonzalez perez's um Two parts of the auto route. You do take that risk. Mm -hmm. Midfielders, Blaine. I'm going to make Mike happy. I've got Morales and Medina both this week. Oh, snap. And then then Almiron and Fellhaber. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like like I want that head-to-head with you right now. (laughs) Uh, Mike, your midfield. Uh, My midfield is uh, I have Almiron, Russell, uh, Higuain, and Zahibo. Hmm. Phil. I have Almiron. How could you not? Um, I've got Higuain, who's putting up really good numbers, even though they're not hitting exactly. They're, his expected numbers are, are still pretty good. Um, I have Diego Fagundes, who's been playing really well. Hmm. And that's, I mean, he's more of a risk than Zahibo. 
and then I have Maxi Morales because even though I don't expect New York City to pull off the victory, I do think they're going to have a ton of possession and Maxi Morales is going to see the ball a lot. Yeah, I do like that Fagundes picks. He is a bit more of that boom and bust player. Could work out. Yeah. Uh, same order, Blaine. Who do you like at forward? Um, I've got Vela, Martinez, and David Villa. Ooh. Mike? Uh, I have Joseph Martinez and Vela and Quintero. Okay. Phil? I, I like that one. I, you know, <laughs> I just... Um, said I hated the budget. I seem to have run out of money at this point, and so I put in Jossie Zardes instead of Quintero, um, but I do like Quintero as well. Uh, Zardes is like my fourth pick. <laughs> exactly. And then I like Elise, too. I can't fit in five forwards, even though I wish I could. <laughs> we'll petition for that one. All right, captains. Mike? Uh, all on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil? Al Miron. And Blaine? Make it three for three called that one and finally clean sheet predictions phil philly columbus that's all okay blaine uh kind of thinking columbus um outside chance for vancouver if rsl lays an egg like they're prone to mike um i i could see toronto doing it um with a strong lineup i could also see uh atlanta doing it just with montreal being petrified to move forward too much so that's kind of where i'm thinking but i'm thinking in general this is more of an offense week than a defense week definitely all right thank you guys so much for those game breakdowns and those player recommendations moving into the league updates quickly as we wrap this up uh, have to take my medicine, Mike, with a handy win over me. I, I lost by like 20 points or so in our in our host's head-to-head. Uh, as Mike, I think, enjoyed and would have predicted, my New York Red Bull players primarily let me down this week. Uh, <laughs> Weeby grabs a two-point win, so congrats, Weeby. Uh, he mentioned that some on Twitter today, uh, so he's he's getting some more W's to try to balance out his name. So good job. Glad to see Weeby getting some wins. I think, though, he did forget to set his lineup, so a pretty good score for forgetting to set your lineup. Yeah. Uh, Ivan from Fantasy Football First is the top scorer in our league this round with 134 points, but Blaine, you were right behind him with 127. Both you guys uh, won your head-to-head, so congrats there. But Mike is still on top. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no change in our Patreon league, and so that takes us right into our final plugs. Guys, uh, what do you got for me, Blaine? Uh, just my stuff on Fantasy Boss. A um, little bit of illness in the household again last week, and I wasn't able to get anything up, and I missed the show. But I will be back this week with another Advanced Transfer Tactics. Mike? Uh, other than MLS injury news, get uh, set your notifications and get the lineup straight to your phone. Uh, that's about it. Phil, my new hobby is combat robotics. So engage me on Twitter. We'll talk BattleBots. <laughs> <laughs> BattleBots and soccer. There we go. Uh, and of course, you can check out everything I have over at MLSFantasyBoss.com and the weekly picks article over at uh, MLSSoccer.com. With that, uh, every now and then I pop up on Sirius Radio with Jason Davis. And uh, don't forget to catch the special Star Wars episode that Mike and I have. It's a lot of fun. We're looking forward to doing that for our Patreon supporters and for the rest of the community. Eventually, your your second bananas to our Patreon people. So uh, (laughs) thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the show tonight. And good luck.